Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. You know, in light of the LeBron James uh, Jewish issues, I was going to do this since the title of this podcast is Two Jews on Christmas. I was going to open the show with, hello, welcome, you're here, have yourself a knish, and sit down for the podcast. But in the light of the LeBron James controversy, Maybe that's not a good idea. Now, if you are a loyal listener and you heard the podcast with Chris Sheeran last week, we said it was the last podcast of 2018. I hate when radio hosts say this is their last question. They ask more questions. I hate when they ask people to stay on for extra segments, when they ask a live so you can't say no. Like there's so many bad etiquette things out there and I committed a sin. I mean, let's face it, since this is two Jews on Christmas, it's a sin. And we thought we were done with the podcast because the podcast comes out on Tuesdays and Tuesday was Christmas Day. But I have to give the people what they want. There was demand. We had sponsors that were telling us we had to do it. So, look, on Christmas Day, the only people I can bother are Jews. And I had a couple of Jewish options. But this is a gentleman today that has been on my other podcast, The Hall of Justice. He is a good friend. He was once my producer, and we walked down the New York Yankee parade together. Scott Seidenberg is from NBC Sports Radio. There's a lot going on with that, but he's remaining with with NBC Sports Radio. He he, he made a cut of like sixty uh, percent. He's still still there, and he is with us here today. A couple of Jews hanging out on Christmas. Scott, thanks, man. What am I? What did I keep you from? What did I take away from what you were doing today? Uh, my Chinese food, which has not arrived yet, but uh, it will be here later, and then I will enjoy my boneless spare ribs and my sesame chicken, and that will be a great <laughs> delight for me. My, uh, my Christmas tradition, since I want to say since I'm 21, my Christmas tradition has always been I must work. No matter where I am, mm -hmm. no matter what my station is, I offer to work, and it's not for the the money purpose it's always and i used to do this when i made peanuts like literal peanuts um when i was in college i'd offer to board up at radio stations like i have a big problem with jewish people just taking this as a day off like i, I just I, that's ridiculous you, there are people that are missing christmas experiences whether it's the morning or the opening of the presents or the christmas dinner which i hear is a big deal like there are people who are doing that. Let them have the opportunity to be with their families so I could sit here and not just watch Batman the Animated Series and, and eat Chinese food. I, I do it every year. I offer up my services because there are days that I take off that are, right. you know, maybe beyond my vacation requests. And so give me Thanksgiving. Exactly. Right. Give, and so I said, or I, like the night Christmas. before Thanksgiving, something stupid, something that you don't need to take off, but I do it anyway. And then I always say I'll work Christmas. So even this morning, I did updates for the network starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I may or may not have recorded that at a prior time. But I did updates at 6 a.m. Eastern time on the network, and I'm hosting tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, which is would be my normal slot anyway. But still, I'm working on Christmas because why should somebody else have to take time away from their families and their festivities when I'm not doing anything but watching episodes of Marvel's Runaways and then eating my Chinese food? Yeesh, you are busy. You are a busy, busy person. But uh, you've come a long way through the day. Let's get the big uh, elephant out of the room. Let's talk about this LeBron James. He was quoting lyrics 
and basically he said, uh, we be getting that Jewish money, everything is kosher. He was quoting a lyric from a band called 21 Savage. No, this is not on my iTunes. Um, and he did not think it was anti-Semitic. I believe him. Do you? Of course I believe him. I think this is LeBron James quoting a music lyric, thinking that it's something that is a somewhat of a compliment. Like That's what he thought. He yeah. thought he was being nice. Yeah, like, you know when people say, oh, I want to get that, you know, F you money, right? Because that means that I'm on top of the world and I can do what I want because I make so much money, no one can say anything to me. I think that's what LeBron James felt this lyric was saying. He didn't feel like it was anti-Semitic. He didn't think that it was a negative stereotype towards Jewish people. He felt that it was a statement of having so much money that he can do what he wants, and it's a positive thing. So that's why he quoted the lyric saying, I'm going to get that Jew money. I didn't think that there was anything negative or malicious. He didn't say Jew money. He just to, to his defense, he said Jewish money. Jewish money. I didn't think that I think he if was... he says Jew money, if it says Jew money, I think it comes off worse. Yeah, there's there's a connotation towards that word, the way that you it's say a, it. It's derogatory. Yes. Right. It's it, it's derogatory. And I, I just think that, you know, in this social media age where, you know, we're finding tweets from fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, like the big crimes, you know, James Gunn's not directing Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Um, You know, I I understand. And people are trying to knock this guy down. Here's what I have done in the in the time I have grown so enamored with LeBron James, the brand. I subscribe to his show. Shut up and dribble. I, I just I, I haven't watched it yet, but I just I just found out about it and I, I hit subscribe. It's on my my, you know, my playlist. Like I am into what he's doing and I think he has grown before our very eyes. And not only is he arguably the best basketball player in history, arguably, and I'm not having that debate because I'm too mature for that. Mm. But but if he if he's if he's the best player of this generation, he's also one of the smartest human beings we have come across i think if you are trying to find the negative in this post then you are spending too much time much like the people that research old tweets from athletes from 10 years ago if you're writing an article about well back in world war ii hitler portrayed jews as sucking up the germans resources i think you are just wasting your time and looking for clickbait because there's nothing here that would say LeBron James is anti-Semitic. Right. And there's a, a great documentary on Netflix uh, called The Last Laugh. And it's about making jokes out of really bad things. So like the Holocaust and uh, 9-11 and things like that. And, you know, it's, it interviews every comedian you can think of. And they talk about, you know, whether or not these, you know, when is it appropriate? When can you make that joke? And, you know, then they showed clips, for example, of Curb Your Enthusiasm when uh, Larry David is at a dinner party and there's a guy from the cast of Survivor. And there's an actual Holocaust survivor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're debating, you know, who had it rougher, (laughs) you know, the concentration camp or the island. And as awkward as that is, that is like laugh out loud funny (laughs) and it's not insulting. And, you know, but but this is the argument. There's two there's two real legitimate questions here. Number one, 
should we punish LeBron James if I'm the same guy that wants them to get rid of the name Washington Redskins? No, I think that there shouldn't be any punishment for LeBron James. I think that what we're seeing here is more problematic of 2018. It's music. It's the it's, time that right. we live it's, in. It's the crap that we listen yes. to. Yes. Right. But it's not. It's not we, we don't listen. No, no, we, let, let's make this clear. We don't listen to it. Just the youth of today. But it's not so much that, Seth. It's our reactions to everything. Somebody is always offended by something. And because somebody else might not feel the same way, then that becomes their problem. I, I, I never understood this this idea that exists in the past year, the past two years, where if somebody is upset by something, everybody has to be upset by something. And if everybody's not upset, then there's something wrong with the people that aren't upset. Social media has destroyed our sense of independent thought to an extent. And when something like this comes out or a tweet resurfaces, then it's, well, this player shouldn't be on the all-star team or this guy should not be hosting the Oscars or this person should not be making any more movies or TV shows or we have to punish this player and he shouldn't get the celebrity that he has deserved over his entire career. I think it's completely ridiculous. And I think that social media is ultimately the downfall of our independent thoughts. Well, you know, but but I I come from a different background, only in the sense that I love social media because of it has helped me through life experiences. You know, when my best friend was killed, Twitter was my favorite mm-hmm. thing in the world mm-hmm. to look at. I I loved seeing it. My notifications blew up. You know, anybody who subscribes to this podcast knows I lost Daryl Hamilton in 2015. He's one of the reasons I even created this podcast. And what you and, and if you want to hear how great the guy is and how talented the guy is, go to episode 100, uh, because for the 100th episode, we did a tribute to him. And it is probably my favorite episode of the podcast next to this one, of course. Hmm. Um, but this idea that, you know, we talk about social media in negative sense like i i enjoy social media i see fun things out of social media i try not to follow the garbage and i don't follow our president like i i don't i, I don't he, he's not on my twitter feed well he's on my twitter feed because every person i know retweets him all the time but it, I, I won't follow I, like i i try not to engage the bad and you know my my bigger issue is the lyrics i hate the lyrics of today's music like I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, and I'm really trying not to. Like, I'm a guy who is a tech-savvy person. I'm, I'm talking to Twitch, for God's sakes. Like, mm. I, 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 like I'm, I'm doing the tech thing. I just I can't deal with that, those lyrics. And over on the comic book podcast, The Hall of Justice, we had a whole debate about whether or not these superhero shows should use the N-word. And then on the CW that showed uh, Black Lightning, they use like the hybrid of the N word. They called each other Negroes. And I'm like, Ugh, this is gross. I, I, I found the whole thing to be off putting. And, you know, a lot of the song lyrics that you see today, and I know I sound like an old man, it just is so, it's not offensive. It doesn't offend me. It's just so off putting. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Baseball was better in my day. You make a good point, though. You do. You do make a good point. And yes, is there 
perhaps a lack of originality or creativity that goes into some of these songs that come out now. And it's like, oh, because this is a part of our vernacular, then it's okay to say. So we can say the N-word a thousand times, or we can say uh, a derogatory term towards another group of people or uh, make fun of the way certain people identify. The reality is, unfortunately, that's how people spoke back in the day, if you want to go use that term. And we have grown as a society. We understand certain things are no longer accepted, but that doesn't mean you're going to stop people from ever saying those words or speaking that way. All we can do is react how we want to react. And my issue has just always been how others project how they should react to certain things. It's a, it's a good point. I, I mean, look, it, it's it's the reality of it is. All I can say is I like LeBron James. Have I ever told you my plan to get LeBron James on this podcast? No. <laughs> so it's, it's, I'll make it my, my 2019 New Year's resolution. Even though the Lakers were in Brooklyn to play the Nets, and I you know live a half hour from there, and I didn't go to try to get this, this podcast done. So who knows if it's ever going to happen. Um, but uh, LeBron James was a guest star on the animated cartoon Teen Titans Go. I talked to uh, Adam the Bull on this podcast, and I talked about this because he, you know, he, in Cleveland, he covered Le- LeBron. Mm-hmm. He says I have a shot. Um, so, so here's the idea. Um, when the Cavs played the Warriors in the first finals, so it was the year before Cleveland won, the first finals, the Cavaliers won a game, and LeBron James tweeted, celebrating tonight's victory with a Teen Titans Go marathon. <laughs> and the producers of that show saw that. And they replied and were like, dude, we write that show. You, you know, we didn't know you were a fan. Do you want to be on it? We'll totally write you in. And he was like, dude, I would love to. So they wrote an episode. And it is the only episode of Teen Titans Go that I have downloaded to my iPad. It is hysterical. The Teen Titans go to a basketball camp looking for some criminal, and it's LeBron James. And LeBron James is teaching at the basketball camp, and the the, the spin on it is LeBron James can't walk without dribbling the ball and saying the words, dribble, 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 dribble. (laughs) Okay. So, So my kids, when they were like, you know, now they're seven and ten, so like when they were seven and four like this came out and you know i'm a superhero nut and i watched this and i played it for them and they were hysterical and if you said to my kids especially my little one who's your favorite basketball player she would say lebron james she has never seen him play a game just dribble 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 and so my idea is I want to go into the Cav- uh, the Lakers locker room. I said Cavaliers. I want to go into the Cavaliers locker room, and I want f- five minutes with LeBron James only about Teen Titans Go. I'm sure he would do it. I don't care about ba- – I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. And I want to have him on the po- – and I want to put it on both my shows. I want to yeah. put it on the Hall of Justice because of the comic book ra- realm, and then I want to put it on this podcast because he's LeBron freaking James. Well, let me say this about LeBron, and this goes back to our original conversation here about posting the song lyric. I am more disturbed, and I don't want to say bothered. i just a little disturbed by his comments on the HBO show, The Shop, referring to NFL owners as having a slave mentality 
more so than his Instagram post with the song lyric about Jewish money. Do you agree with that? Um, I think he's entitled to his opinion, and I think I know what he was trying to say, and I know a lot of players agree with what he said. So if, if the reality of it is, is that he makes that reference, he's in a different perspective than us, because, you know, Daryl and I used to debate this all the time. I'm not in a position to say saying a slave reference is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not my place. I, I don't come from slavery. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't have that. I don't have that mentality. Um, unless you walk a minute in their shoes, you can't say. And I, I, that I firmly believe. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. I just think that, you know, if you're looking for, uh, I'm wondering why more people didn't have an issue with that as opposed to Wait, saying, that's, a, that that, that's not Shut Up and Dribble? That, there's another show, The Shop? Yeah, yeah, HBO, The Shop. Yep, where he sits in a barber oh, shop and talks to people, yeah. I'm going to spend all this time watching LeBron James. Mm-hmm. It's like being a comic book fan and not reading comic books. <laughs> I'll watch all this LeBron James stuff, and I'll never see him play a damn game. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll know him only from outside and stuff, which is what he wants, though. This is why he went to L.A., so he could expand his brand, not so that they can he can win a championship with the Lakers. I want to take a minute to welcome a new sponsor to Sports with Friends, my friends at Bavada. I have known the guys at Bavada for a really, really long time. Could be easily 20 years. Go to BavadaSportsbook.com, and now is the best time to do it. Because let's face it, with legalized sports gamblings, you get ads from a lot of different places. And all I want to do is keep you safe. They have a history of the odds. You can hear the odds. You can see it at their website, BavadaSportsbook.com. They have now Play With Crypto, where you can work with Bitcoin. You can refer a friend and get up to 200% of your friend's first deposit, up to $100. You can play casino games, and you can do their sports welcome bonus, 50% up to $250. This upcoming bowl season is a perfect place to go to Bavada's website, the Orange Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl, both on the 29th. You have UFC 232 on December 29th. There's so much sports still to come before the end of the year. And then, of course, the final week of regular season NFL games. All of that can be found on BovadaSportsbook.com. Trust me when I tell you, if I didn't know these people, I would not be saying it. We've had sponsors before, and I'm promising you, I know the guys at Bovada. Go to BovadaSportsbook.com and tell them you found out about it from Sports with Friends. The NBA, by the way, owns Christmas Day. Yes, it's Um, become synonymous. Right, right. And a lot of people say that it's the opener. This this is the first time people look at the NBA. I've been saying it it for years. I've been saying it for years. I've said it on all my shows. I've tweeted it out before. Christmas is the unofficial start of the NBA season. Everything before Christmas is a glorified preseason. The year that the NBA had their lockout and their 66-game schedule. And this was the actually open. They opened the season on Christmas. I thought it was genius. Uh, it wasn't genius doing 66 games in a shortened period of time. So teams had, you know, three games in four nights and back to back to backs. And that was the bad part of it. But the good part of it was that the season started on Christmas. I think every year this should be the start of the season. It will never happen. Owners aren't going to give up. But should there be, 
should there be only nationally televised games or should you put a bunch of games on? No, nationally televised. This is Christmas and the NBA do it perfectly. It's like the NFL and Thanksgiving. They have picked their holiday. They own their holiday. And this is great. You have marquee matchups or what they think should be marquee matchups. They try to put the stars on. You wear the special jerseys. I like what the NBA has done with Christmas. Well, okay, then then if if the last conversation didn't make you sound make us sound like a couple of old men, um, should I just concede the the jerseys? The jerseys look ridiculous, but should They've I been not? Worse is, is that is that not a big deal? Like, is the NBA enough of a cartoon that it, it, it that's okay? It's not a big deal because they'll come out with different jerseys more so than other leagues. They don't care about light versus dark. Like uh, if you watch, it doesn't. Uh, it seems like the sanctity of the uniform doesn't exist. No, in the NBA. no, no. Like uh, if you watch the Thunder against the Rockets today, both teams are wearing dark jerseys. Rockets There's no way I'll ever watch Thunder. The Thunder. <laughs> Rockets are wearing red, and the Thunder were wearing dark blue, and just it doesn't look good when one team is not wearing white and the other team is wearing a color. Uh, but you know what? It's it's it sells. These jerseys sell. We were looking at the uh, the, the podcast this year because it's been the, you know the first year on the new platform, mm-hmm. and we were looking at the episodes, and most of the episodes are consistent as far as download numbers, but the ones that have had spikes are all the Seattle shows. Mm, okay. <laughs> Anything that has to do with the Sonics or the hockey team yeah. or anything Seattle uh, gets a gets a bump. So uh, don't worry. And my, that's my favorite NBC Sports Radio moment is when uh, Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors. It was on a Sunday night, and I was hosting on NBC Sports Radio. And a guy called up and said, what do you think of Kevin Durant signing with the Warriors? And it's the first time I had a chance to process it. And my initial reaction is exactly what anybody who likes me would want me to say, and that is, well, finally, I can root for the guy. <laughs> I said, because, 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 you know, for the first time, he's not playing for a slimeball owner. I said it just like that. That was my initial reaction. Like, no hesitation. It was, it was asked to me, point blank, I answered. I did not know we were on the air in Oklahoma City on the only all-sports radio station. And the vitriol that I got from Oklahoma City at that moment was really like, what the hell, man? What the hell? What the hell? What the hell? And so I got defensive. I said, I'm sorry. Your owner is a slimeball. Clay Bennett's a slimeball. He is, is, he is as villainous a human being in the sports realm. There are three primary villains. There are many villains in the Seattle Supersonic Saga, yep. but there are three primary the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, mm-hmm. former, the, the former commissioner of the NBA, David Stern, uh-huh. and the snake in the grass oil salesman, Clay Bennett. And those those are those three. And I can't in good conscience watch the Oklahoma City Thunder. The one year in 2011 that I worked for the New Jersey Nets and they had the Oklahoma City Thunder in their arena, it was painful to watch that team. I think the existence of that team is is one of the great sports crimes. And this is something I wanted to ask you about. Did you see that the NHL, I know I'm switching gears here, but I, I've said everything that can be said about Seattle. Um, the NHL did these, uh, these heritage jersey nights. Yeah, of course. Everybody's wearing throw, like select nights during the year where you wear throwbacks. So I was at the Prudential Center. But they're not the like a fish. Some of them aren't. A, they're like 
throwback inspired some of them right uh, right right it's not a hundred percent replica but um so i went I, I saw new jersey wear their red and green uniforms and they also wore the the red and green uh white uniforms and it reminded me that i like the nhl better when white is at home yes I, I, I don't. I don't. Did you see, like the, did you see the Hurricanes wore the Hartford Whalers jerseys? Well, that's where I'm yeah. going with this. And I got into a debate with a, a guy on Twitter, and if he was Jewish, he would have been on this podcast today. <laughs> um, 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 I, somebody said it was a really nice gesture, and I don't think it was because I think it's an insult to a market that lost a team, and Hartford hasn't been repaid yet. Not, and not that they're going to. They're a smaller town. Yeah. But they were not. And I understand it's not the owner that moved the team. You know what I mean? It's a different owner. But still, you have the, the, the team at the loss of a city. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a compliment at all, actually. I think it's the opposite. I think it's salt on the wound. I always think that when teams relocate or move, the city that lost them should retain all the records and the information, much like the Cleveland Browns did when they lost the team to Baltimore. When the Browns moved and became the Baltimore Ravens, the city of Cleveland sued, and they won, and they retained all of the history, the jerseys, the records, everything with the Cleveland Browns. So even though it was the same players, it was Vinny Testaverde and others who went to Baltimore, it was a brand new team. It was (laughs) as if the team just poof, appeared out of nowhere, brand new expansion team. And then when the the city of Cleveland was granted an expansion team and they brought back the Browns, they reclaimed the history of the Cleveland Browns. So right. for every city, they should be able to retain those rights. You shouldn't be able to look back at the at the Carolina Hurricanes and say, well, in their past, they have records they from the Hartford Whalers. You shouldn't be able to look at the Colorado Avalanche and say, well, when they were the Nordiques. No, you should only well, is, identify with that? your current are, city. I didn't I didn't see anything on Twitter. The, the, the Avalanche aren't doing that, right? They're not. No, that, I don't think the they're Nordique. wearing. No, I don't think they're wearing Nordiques jerseys. I'm just saying, like, when you look back at the history of the Colorado Avalanche and look at the records, Joe Sackick has stats from when he was on the Quebec Nordiques. Sure. But that's, and, and, that's Pat, not and the, what and the great irony of that, because I, I covered that Avalanche team. Patrick Waugh was prime em- enemy number one of the Nordiques. He was a Montreal Canadian. Mm hmm. Yep. And the Nordiques and the and the and the uh, the Canadians was a great rivalry. And, you know, I often said the two greatest uh, sports crimes are the Nordiques to Colorado and the and the Supersonics to Oklahoma City in that two crimes that have not been rectified. And in the case of Quebec, uh, I was told by by some pretty high ranking officials that Quebec's not a candidate. Like, there's a better chance of Toronto getting a second team than Quebec getting a team because Quebec is not much bigger than Hartford. And we don't think that way because we're not in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had Elias Makos, um, a former Expos PR guy who's now a big fancy media mogul up there in, in, in Montreal. And he, he, you know, we did a whole podcast about the return of the Expos, which is never happening. And uh, in it, we talked about Quebec. And I didn't know that about the province. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't study, you know, Canadian geography. Like, I, I know big cities. I know what I've been to Vancouver. I've been to Toronto. That, that's, that's as far as my, my reach will go. 
And but I always think that those are the two biggest crimes in relocation. Like Baltimore got the Ravens. So you you made right what once was wrong. Cleveland got the Browns again. Minneapolis got the Timberwolves. Like you think about the great relocations. Mm-hmm. Those are the two criminal ones that are so awful that have never been rectified. Well, well, how, and, and, how about, and, the, and how about this? Like you have certain cities though, like Winnipeg. So the Winnipeg Jets, yeah, but they got the but they got but, the Jets back. But it's not the same team. It's not the no, same of history. Not, but it's the same thing as the Cleveland Browns. Like. It, no, but the, the Cleveland it, Browns retain the rights to their history. The Winnipeg Jets that are playing in Winnipeg right now are the expansion Atlanta Thrashers. And the real Winnipeg Jets are playing in Arizona as the Coyotes. The Coyotes. <laughs> and they haven't switched the, the jerseys? <laughs> or, they haven't switched the records? Like, they, they, how does that – I don't know how that works. No, that, that, that's a completely uh, different franchise. Bad. The Winnipeg Jets that are playing right now – are the Atlanta Thrashers expansion franchise. The original Winnipeg Jets and all their history and traditions belong to the Arizona Coyotes. It's wild. It it is wild. But but you get a team. But they got a team back, yes. Technically, the Thunder have the 1979 NBA championship trophy. So, (laughs) and, And that's the thing. Like, when the Sacramento Kings were rumored, like, there was all those rumors that the Sacramento Kings were going to move to Seattle. Yeah. And um, when 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 that took place, um, a lot of people it, like it, it wasn't satisfying to get the Sacramento Kings. They, they weren't going to be the Seattle Kings. Yeah. They want the Supersonics back and they want their old records. Back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they want to retire Gary Payton's number like that. That's what they want. And you're not getting it. <laughs> like, like, when did this become a relocation podcast? I know, right? <laughs> it, to me, it's, it is it is the single greatest sports topic. I, I love it. it. I absolutely love it. I, do. I can talk. Favorite, I can talk about it all day. I right. do love it. It's my. It's one of my favorite. Uh, it's easily one of my favorite sports topics of all time. Like I, I think sports relocation is. It's how I got the gig at Forbes. You know what I mean? Like I love stories that are of a sports business nature, but relocation are my absolute favorite. Yeah, no, and I love talking about it. And for me, I'm just a historian. So I love going back and seeing where these teams came from and, and the traditions and whether it's in baseball and it's, it's you know, when it's cool seeing the Atlanta Braves play against the Red Sox because the Braves used to be in Boston. Or, yep, or, yep. You know, like I just, I love seeing certain uh, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, because and that's <laughs> part of sports history. It's, it's a neat part of sports. But in most of them, the, the city has gotten it back. You know, like you could say L.A. lost the Rams, but they got the Rams back. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, you can see all these different scenarios. The most egregious one is Baltimore losing the Colts in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And then they were granted an expansion team. They got the Ravens. And, you know, it, it wrecked it, it, it. I always use the uh, the quantum leap line. It puts right what once was wrong. Well, what's happening right now is ridiculous with the city of Oakland. You know, Monday Night Football was a great event because it's probably the last football game they're going to see in Oakland with the Raiders. Ever. And the crowd was incredible. They won the game. They sent it out in style. But the the city of Oakland... The place which, is still a cesspool. But the city of Oakland, Seth, they're losing the Warriors next year to San Francisco, yep. right? Yep. The Warriors are going to Mission Bay, the Chase Center or yep. Chase Arena, whatever it's called. 
The Raiders are going to be in Vegas in 2020, and who knows where they're going to play next year. They could wind up, uh, you know, for all we know, they could wind up in San Diego next year. We have no idea where the Raiders are going to play in 2019. And the Oakland A's are the only team left. Marshawn Lynch appeared at the Oakland City Council, and all he said was, we're losing the Warriors, we're losing the Raiders, don't lose the A's. And that was it. And I think that that's important. This city has to do everything they can now to build a ballpark for the A's or else they're going to lose three professional sports franchises. There was something on The Athletic about how that's uh, Rob Manfred's biggest priority. Dude, what have I been saying for years? When Manfred took over the job, his number one priority was fix Tampa and fix Oakland. Mm-hmm. I, you could take all you. I, I'm not doing a pace of play podcast. I, I can't. I don't have the strength. But I will say that that fixing the Oakland situation is un it, it is an eyesore. It's not cute. And to see them contend and can see them to compete. It, it's not a, it's not adorable. And in, in the early two thousands, the Moneyball team that turned into an awful movie. Um, there was a certain charm to that team. This is not charming. And they play in a cesspool. Like, it's a legitimate cesspool. Yep. They have plumbing issues. Mm-hmm. It's a gross building. And as much as you could say the Raiders are breaking the fans' hearts, they gave them 8,000 chances to get a new ballpark. Yeah, and the Eight. city didn't want to pay for it. This wasn't Art Modell in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they've been very transparent. It's the same thing with the uh, the New Jersey Nets. I know it's a, on a much smaller scale. But... You know, uh, Mikhail Prokhorov literally went to every governor of New Jersey and, you know, the owner before him, they all went to every governor and said, build us a new arena, build us a new arena, build us a new arena. And they said, no, 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 no. And then they were like, good riddance when they when they moved to Brooklyn. Yeah. What good riddance? They tried. Mm-hmm. They, they totally tried. It's a, it, there's, there's an apples to oranges situation. I don't think the A's ever leave. Because well they're gonna leave they're gonna leave Oakland but they're not gonna leave the Bay they're not leaving that television market no but they can't move closer or they can't interrupt the San Francisco market because well, the Giants have territorial rights so correct. they would have to be somewhere in either Alameda County or somewhere north uh, uh, understood and and but, so it's difficult but what I have said all along and I think this is about negotiating. Um, Peter Angelos is considered one of the most pig-headed owners in sports, right? Like, like, like you hear horror stories about Peter Angelos and the Orioles. The Montreal Expos couldn't move to D.C. because that was in the Orioles' territory. Yeah, but but the, the compromise there was that the Orioles— Everybody has a price. But the compromise there was that Angelos owns the TV network. You, and so even though, even, though, even though the Nationals now have their own channel— it's owned by the Orioles. <laughs> like, I, well, that expired. That expired. Okay, but, okay. but yes, but yes, I, I, I completely understand. What I'm saying is you locked them in a room. They literally did this. They locked them in a room and said, don't leave until you come up. What's your price? And that's what I would do with Lou, Lou Wolf of the A's and, and Larry Bear, the president of the Giants and all the, the CEO and all the owners of, of the Giants, even the ones that are making all the controversial donations. Just do me a favor. Just lock them in a room, order pizza, give them bathroom breaks, and that's it. And you don't leave. Do they you eat do pizza in the Bay leave. Area? <laughs> yes, they do. It's not good, but it's <laughs> but but this idea that you can't do it, and I would do whatever it give them whatever they want. What Lou Wolf is saying 
I want the Giants to acquiesce the territory, and I don't want to give them anything. It, it, it's 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 like you're caught rocking a hard place. And you know who the guy should be that's responsible for all this? Manfred. Hmm. Like, do do something. Show me that you fix that situation, and I will overlook all your other crap and how you you know you're gonna stay out of jail. And if you're wondering what what I'm referring to, uh, go back to episode number <laughs> one seventy one of this podcast, and you'll hear every, everything you need. Very good, very good. And and this idea that you know we talk about Oakland as being this this tragic story, it's part of urban redevelopment, like it's part of society. And unfortunately, there are some cities that get dilapidated. And I'm not trying to pin this on Oakland. I'm not trying to rip on Oakland. I, I, I would stay there. But I, I tell the story all the time about when, the Met, when I was traveling with the Mets and we went to play the A's, we stayed in San Francisco. Like, no one voluntarily goes to Oakland. And there is something to be said for this idea that we are going to have to come to grips with the fact that the Oakland A's need a new building. And so do the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, my prediction that I've said on this podcast many times is I think the Tampa Bay Rays eventually move to Montreal. Because what I think will happen is their owner, Stu Sternberg, is going to say, enough of this. Yeah. That would make sense. He's a a smart guy. He's going to bid for the Knicks and Rangers. And he's going to sell that team to give them the capital to buy the Knicks and Rangers. He'll sell that team to a group in Montreal. They'll move them. And it'll be cool because the Expos would be an American League team. And you could have a natural rivalry with the Blue Jays. Makes sense for everyone. Uh, that, that's, that's my prediction. I don't know if that's a five-year prediction or a 10-year prediction. But, you know, before we get the flying car. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, before we let you go, um, NBC Sports Radio is changing. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, NBC Sports Radio, for those who do not know, uh, is scaling back and still going to be around, uh, still offering um, two Monday through Friday nationally syndicated programs, Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio, and a new uh, Washington-based gambling-inspired afternoon show uh, that will be featured from 3 to 7. So those two shows will be Monday through Friday, and various different affiliates will take that as well as the best of pro football talk with Mike Florio, which airs on the weekends and available to affiliates, and the Safety Blitz with Rodney Harrison, which I hosted last week and I will again host this week uh, with Football Night in America, two-time Super Bowl champion Rodney Harrison. Um, so those are the programs. Who, who, set, who was honest about the Patriots and, 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 mm-hmm. and ripped them, and it made every headline under the sun. It, yep. it was all over every newspaper, and all I'm thinking to myself is these newspapers aren't trying anymore. <laughs> And so those are the programs being offered, but we are still a 24-7 update network. Um, NBC Sports Radio has other services that we provide for our affiliates as well. Uh, I will be doing updates, so I'm staying with the network, as well as occasionally filling in, hosting a show like The Safety Blitz with Rodney Harrison. So glad to still be a part of the network. Um, but unfortunately, my Monday through Friday program, Overtime, uh, will no longer be a live program. I will still be releasing podcast episodes, but let's face it, that's where the media, the medium is going anyway, uh, on-demand audio. So uh, still happy to have a voice, still happy to share that voice, and uh, still happy to be a part of the NBC brand. We had a lot of fun uh, coming on that show. 
Uh, especially considering we got to pre-tape it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and who knows? You might be on uh, this week before we're uh, before we're gone. <laughs> you never know. No, I'll, that's fine. I come on anytime he asks. Hey, I'll, 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 I, I like coming on. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a good show. And our history, and I usually do this in reverse order, but I, I knew this was going to happen this way. Uh, our history, uh, you were, um, the way we met was I was hosting at ESPN 1050 in New York, and you were my producer. Correct. And we hit it off, even though there's a 10-year age difference, we hit it off almost instantly. Yes, because and- you are the same age as my brother, so you have very similar upbringings yeah upbringings um you know whether it's your comic book love or star wars or anything like that yeah uh so it was a very easy bond plus you know two jews getting along in new york it's kind of very easy well and what i remember the first conversation that i remember it wasn't the first conversation we ever had was my show ended at 10 o'clock and the studio was right above uh, madison square garden which meant it was right above penn station and there was a 1013 train back to Jersey. <laughs> and I made a deal with you that anything you needed to tell me had to be either said before the end of the show or over the phone. Because at 9.58.50 or whatever we said goodbye, I was out the door because I had to catch the elevator, go downstairs, run down the escalator because I had to make that 1013 or else I had to stay in New York City for an extra hour. There were so and, many and nights. And you totally got that. So like, many nights. Totally I've, I've done that, the same like, thing, right though, because I've done the same thing. There's been so many days and nights working there for the five, six years. I don't even know how long I was there for uh, that. I went downstairs and caught a train. Even I got my shift ended at nine and I was on the 907 train <laughs> we, yeah. every single night. Because, yeah, if you missed that one, you were stuck for a full hour. I mean, it, you're you're absolutely right. You're you, it was a full hour. That and we love Chinese food, and uh, it, it's fun. It's fun because uh, you've been a, a good foil for me. You've been a great uh, uh, date because uh, every time we get invited to the Marvel movies, uh, and my wife doesn't go, I get to bring somebody, and I've always uh, taken you. Yes, and we've been doing that for ten years. <laughs> and then, right, real quick before we we wrap this up, so tell the story about how you and I were supposed to do, do some kind of a show in 2009 at the Yankees uh, World Series Victory Parade. Yeah, so we actually were pulling double duty. I'm not sure if you remember. We were in the studio, so we just explained, which is Madison Square Garden at, at by Penn Station, 33rd and 7th, and we had to go to City Hall <laughs> to do a live broadcast at the conclusion of the Yankees World Series Parade, which is down the Canyon of Heroes and then works its way to City Hall, you know, which is, oh, a, a, is so funny. a different part this of the so city, you know, different part of the city. So we take the train, we get off the subway, and now we have to make our way to the, to the, broadcast, to the broadcast location. location. Right. But all the streets are closed off, and there's thousands of Yankee fans flooding the streets lining I mean, them up it was, it was a million people at this parade yes. so it wasn't a million people in our section but it was a million no, people. yeah so we go up to a police officer who was guarding one of the barricades and we said sir we have to cross this street there's no other way to cross the street but we have to get to our radio broadcast he didn't believe us so we're showing him our credentials Yep. To cover, like, here's my Yankees credential. Here's my Knicks credential. Here's my Nets credential. I cover these teams. I work for a radio station. We need to yep. get to this yep. broadcast yep. 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 location. 
So he pulls across the barricade and says, all right, you two, you can go. But now there's nowhere for us to go, Seth, except walk along the street, which is <laughs> the parade route. So yeah. you and I are walking, on, walking an on an empty parade. street with thousands of people cheering, waving yep. to us as if we're somewhat the grand marshals of this parade oh, God, prior so to the funny. Yankees coming down. And we're like, we're like, well, hello, everyone. Yeah. Hello. hello. <laughs> it looked like we were running for office. I started so to do funny. the I started to do like the pageant wave, you know, with the hands the cupped wave. open. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> I said, hello. they will never they'll <laughs> never that will always be that will always be my favorite memory. A lot of people say that in 2009, the best thing that ever happened was when I had the uh, the the, the, the making amends with A-Rod uh, after that after that World Series. And no, my favorite moment from the 2009 baseball season is us walking in the Yankee parade. We it walked was, uh, in the Yankee parade, but not in the Yankee parade. We walked in the parade prior to the floats coming down. So... <laughs> Or cars oh, or so whatever. Funny. We did so funny. we did walk the Yankee parade with fans screaming for us and waving to us as if we were somewhat important. Ah, Scott, you're the best. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, again, a couple of Jews hanging out on Christmas. How can people find you online? Well, I am on Twitter at Scott's on air because my name is Scott and I'm on the air. So it's very simple. It's S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. And also Subscribe to my college football podcast with our yes. good friend Chris Landry. It's called Rush the Field, uh, like you yep. would do after you pull a big upset and the fans can storm the field. So Rush the Field is a college football podcast brought to you by Radio Influence, where Chris Landry, who is a former LSU assistant coach, and he worked under Bill Belichick with the Cleveland Browns. The guy is completely locked in when it comes to college football and the NFL. Uh, we've had guests like the old head ball coach Steve Spurrier has joined us on the program. Former LSU coach Les Miles has joined us on the program. We are efforting Nick Saban, although I highly doubt it's going to happen, but it's Christmas, so maybe a Christmas miracle, and we'll get yeah. Nick Saban maybe after the season's over. But plenty of college football discussion, not just during the season, but throughout the offseason as well. It's called Rush the Field, so be sure, you, be sure to download that. All right, that's Scott Seidenberg. My name is Seth Everett again. I hope you had a good holiday. Enjoy uh, your Christmas. Have a safe and happy new year. Uh, we'll see you in January 2019. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. The rates, the reviews, the whole thing. You've made this podcast. We have grown exponentially uh, in the past year. It's been a, a, I'm very lucky uh, to have, have this show. Thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Seth Everett. This is Sports with Friends. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today. For you to see I'm about to go And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted And smile Come on, please I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while you have been the kind of person